0: We return to Oilers Now with Bob (laughs) Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Service for all brands of print equipment in your office. Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio. 630 chat. All 33 in Edmonton. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott with you, and this is Oilers Now. We're live at Rogers Place tonight. The Edmonton Oilers and the Boston Bruins. Guests on this show receive gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. Follow the sizzle to Alberta's own Roos Chris Steakhouse, 9990 Jasper Avenue. Tell Brendan, Maggie, and Taylor that Oilers now sent you. All right. As we do every Wednesday at 1235, we are pleased to be joined by uh, Brian Lawton from the NHL Network. Brian was a... Number one overall pick in the NHL draft. Ran, uh, at that time, and still might be, uh, one of the largest talent agencies in the world. uh, Ran the hockey uh, department of that with Octagon. Was a general manager in the Tampa Bay Lightning. And now he's a big star, though he wouldn't call himself one, on the NHL network. And he's our Oilers now headliner for touchback safety. From fall protection to forklift training. Trust the experts at touchbacksafety.com. Your safety is their goal. Hi, Brian. How are you? I'm doing great, Bob. How are you? Good. I, I, we landed in Carolina after the game on Florida, uh, in Florida on Saturday, and I was very pleased that uh, the Renaissance in Carolina had the NHL Network on, slapped it on, and uh, watched uh, yourself and Jody Shelley uh, wrap up the whatever we call that. It's not the outdoor. What do we, what do we call that? Stadium series. Stadium. I got to get the lingo right.
1: Stadium. How <laughs> long did you guys series. been on the air
0: for at that point?
1: Uh, we started really around five o'clock that day. It was a long shift. Let's put it yeah. that way.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so.
1: Yeah. And that was after. That was after the game. After you flew. Yeah. I assume from Florida to Carolina. In but Raleigh. that was an earlier game in Florida.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Brian, you were the first guy to say keep an eye on Dave Tippett. And then uh, when Dave Tippett was hired, you said this guy going to be a great fit here at Edmonton. And then you, of our regular contributors to the show, were the first guy to stick your neck out in the line and say this will be a playoff team this year. Uh, if I had told you that uh, the Edmonton Oilers would go through a, a four-game stretch without Connor McDavid and roughly about $25 million uh, in, in salary out of the lineup, including their entire first lineout, and still win back-to-back games on the road in Florida and Carolina. Would you would you believe that that would have been possible too?
1: I would have thought that would be really challenging. I was disappointed they didn't get maybe five points out of that trip. They just couldn't get the lead on Tampa. Yep. I knew that Tip would be in lockdown mode. If you really follow Dave Tippett and his career, you know that nobody can get can galvanize a team together better to play defensively as a group than Dave Tippett. So I was actually kind of disappointed. I said that on the network, and I was working with Billy Lindsay from Florida, and he said, not a chance. They'll be lucky if they get two or three points. And, well, of course, it was a successful road trip for
0: them. It, it was, and, I mean, Tampa got the 2-1 goal on a, on a turnover, on the power play, but the Oilers had chances in the third, and they ran up against, uh, right now, the best team in the NHL. And also, I mean, Jack Michaels and we were talking about this before the game. Just you take a look at the numbers for the netminder in Tampa Bay, and nobody has won as much as this guy over the last three years. Like Vasilevsky is right there with the top goaltenders in the world. And, oh, by the way, Tampa Bay is a deep team. And the Oilers, despite having a depleted roster, Brian. We're right there as they. In the first 10 minutes, Tampa Bay was the better team. But Edmonton hung around and made a game of it, and it speaks to resiliency a bit, doesn't
1: it? It, it does, and you really got to credit. Dave's doing a great job, but it's the players that are buying into what the organization is selling and, and making the most of it. It's an incredible situation they find themselves in, and yet it feels like. Everybody in the Pacific is having some adversity or strife yeah. to deal with. We have no idea who's going to end up even winning this, this division, never mind making the playoffs. Uh, I've never seen it wilder than it is right now, Bob, in terms of competition. And for those reasons, the trade market has absolutely exploded for the sellers that are out there. It's crazy what's going on right now in the NHL. We'll circle
0: the back to that in a second, uh, Brian. I, I just want to ask you about Leon Dreisaitl, represented by Octagon. Should he be the front runner for the Hart Trophy right now?
1: Uh, absolutely, right. Right now, yes. He's been able to not only continue to play well after Connor went out, and there is a narrative around the National Hockey League that yeah, yeah, Leon's a good player, but he plays with the best player in the world. Well, now is, Connor's, is Leon's opportunity to maybe dispel that, and he's doing it. And people are stopping saying those types of things. People are saying, wow, he's a little bit faster than I thought he was. That was the old knock against Leon. Heavy boots, nice playmaker, good shooter, can't really get around the ice fast enough to be an elite player. That hasn't been the case.
0: 50 goals, 105 points last year. He has a 13-point lead, and he got 10 points in four games with McDavid out of the lineup. It's crazy
1: when you think about it, isn't it? That should change the narrative for him. He's got to keep going, though. This is a, you know, what have you done for me lately league. So it's not going to be easy for Liam, but he is on top of his game. And you know what? The real stars in this league... They're proving that they have that type of power. Sid Crosby last night, Malkin gets sick. Got the tough Toronto Maple Leafs in town, high-flying Toronto Maple Leafs. Crosby gets four points and they completely dismantle him. Leon is doing the same thing, in my opinion, for Edmonton right now, and I don't think people thought that he had that in him. Leon's
0: an octagon guy. So too is Ryan Nugent Hopkins, uh, represented by Rick Vallette, who's based here in Alberta. Uh, Ryan's got another year left in his deal at $6 bucks. Do you think maybe he's found a bit of a niche for himself on left wing playing with Dreisaitl?
1: I do. I mean, Ryan's a top six forward. You know, last year I thought it was an incredible year for him. I thought, my goodness, I don't know if he'll ever get back to that level. It was such a productive offensive year for him. Um, you never lose sight of a guy like Ryan with his defensive awareness he's a smart player if you talk to coaches in the national hockey league like like i do that's the first thing that comes up with him he's not that heavy people worry he's light but the fact of the matter is he's excellent defensively and he's proving that he's got another gear offensively even though he had a tough start this year um he's right back having an, an outstanding offensive year as well as a strong defensive year so there's a lot to like about ryan and uh, he's just one of those guys that embodies. When you say players have character, it means doing the right things when nobody's looking to me, the old adage. That's Ryan Nugent Hopkins. He's he said, always doing the right things, and it's paying off for him.
0: Brian, he's got 24 points in the last 18 games, and his ability to read and react off of dry settle, both him and Kyler Yamamoto. Uh, if ever there was – who is the best smaller player – when you played back in the 80s, like a
1: really good, smaller, competitive player? Do you recall? You know, back then it was generally to be that guy. I think a guy's like Russ Cortnall. They weren't big guys, but, man, they could fly. Right. They had something that intimidated people. It may not have been their size, but it might have been their speed or their skill. But uh, Kyler is a guy that... I think it says a lot about Ken Holland and just his long-term views on players. I think it would have been easy to try to rush him into the lineup even this year. and You know, he gives him some games down there. He finally gets up and he looks like he's here for the rest of his career. He's been that good a fit. He's been that productive. Um, and people are all of a sudden starting to talk about, man, this guy really hunts pucks down. He's quick to the corner. We're not saying he's the fastest skater, and it doesn't matter if you're the fastest. Can you jump on loose pucks, turn pucks over, make plays under pressure? He's doing all those things. And he's very fortunate to have an opportunity to play with the guys he's playing with. But there's been other players that have had that opportunity too, and nobody has made as much of it as he has, and you have to compliment him for that.
0: All right, we've discussed trades. We're going to switch to trade focus right now with Brian Lawton from the NHL Network, Frank Cervelli from TSN reporting. That Alec Martinez to the LA Kings uh, is now done. Uh, Pierre LeBrun has uh, jumped aboard, saying a second this year and a second next year. We have seen a run on defensemen, haven't we, Brian?
1: We have. They are at a premium, and people are asking, "My goodness, why are teams paying such a high price?" And I think the answers lie within the environment of the NHL. Everybody is so close. Think about the races just to finish first in each division. Talking about Tampa, Boston, Washington, Pittsburgh, uh, St. Louis, Colorado, and Dallas battling out. The Pacific, nobody knows. That, combined with the slowing salary cap and ownership groups that believe it's their time after the St. Louis Blues are making this a historic time in terms of the returns that you can get for players if you're fortunate enough to have players that other teams want. That's the good news. That's the environment. The bad news is makes things really expensive if the Edmonton Oilers want to do something significant.
0: Yeah, and I don't know. I mean, that, that's something you, you've been in that chair. How much of a challenge is that for a general manager? I mean, take us through those two years you were in Tampa. Did you, I mean, you guys were basically turning the team over and sort of rebuilding a bit at that stage, were you not?
1: We absolutely were. We were probably akin to, like, what the New Jersey Devils are now. Okay. Right? So we had finished dead last when I got hired. So my first year, I'm taking over a team that's dead last. Um, I want to turn the team over. Tons of cap space available for teams. The salary cap is rising at double-digit amounts. No market whatsoever. (laughs) No trade market. Very weak completely different times hard to consummate deals uh over the the time i was there i don't believe any other club made more deals than we did we should have because that's the state that the franchise was in and it would reap the benefits of that work for really the last 10 years including stamkos and hedman still being there but different environment than now right now bob it's akin to your uh high flying venture capitalist it's 2000 and it's the dot-com bubble that's what's going on in my opinion if you own any companies right now at that time back then you were getting tons of premium on them you couldn't sell them fast enough there was so much appetite out there well right now there's been a lot of appetite it's going to dry up at some point but if you're a seller if you thought I'm super, I've am super. i been super aggressive on this will be a seller's market this year for about a month and a half looking at everything. The injuries pushed it over the edge, but I still never thought you'd see players returning first-round picks and multiple picks and prospects um, that are the guys that are being traded. So if you're a team out there and you have assets and you're not selling right now, you need to reevaluate the job you're doing for your organization. I know there's a
0: statue of limitations on things, Brian but do you have a humorous story about a, you know, a guy you moved that was maybe really happy to get traded or uh, during your time as a GM in Tampa?
1: I don't know about, you know, there's, it's such a hard time. I mean, the, I, I, I traded Mark Reckey, and, you know, we felt good about the prospects for Mark. We traded him from our team, which was not good to the Boston Bruins, who had a chance to win the Stanley Cup, which Mark would go on and do in 2011. Right. But I remember getting home at that time, and my children were so mad at me because they were friends with Mark's children in school. And I just remember my kids were not very old then, and uh, they were just all over me. How could you trade Mr. Reckie? You know, I'm friends with his son just it it was that was about the only humor in it um you know it's a tough deal when you have guys like that bob you're going to them and you're talking to them when you have a player like mark Recky, that's a hall of Fame player you're telling him. and you know mark accepted it but he liked the guys in tampa and it's always hard it's not comfortable conversations there's a real human element to it that uh you think it's a business? You pay these guys well. You think they understand it? It still hurts. It's not a. It's not a fun process.
0: No, and I mean, yeah, I, I can't imagine that it would be. Now, that was now that was Stamkos' rookie year, right? Correct. Right. Okay. So he had a, a pretty. Uh, and because Mark is not a shrink, is it fair to say Mark is not a shrinking violet as a player? Like he would speak his mind too.
1: He'd let you know as well. He absolutely, that's what I loved about Mark. He would speak his mind. He would tell me what he thought. Uh, You know, he was a veteran player back then. Nobody wanted to play with Stamkos for the first, you know, month of the season. Then by the end of the year, everybody wanted to play with Stamkos. You know, and there's a process. Steven was going through the league and, and feeling his way around and finished with 23 goals his rookie year. But really, he scored about 20 of them in the second half. Yeah. And that was okay. It wasn't great for fans and some other people, but the development of players can go at different paces. But uh, yeah, that's that's what I remember about back then. Is just, you know, Mark letting me know if he wasn't with the right guys or whatever else. <laughs> and I appreciated that from him. He had earned the right to do that. He was practically 40 years old at that time. Yeah. Uh,
0: so I'm going to put you on the spot here. We have Boston in town tonight. The Oilers just played Tampa on Thursday. Who's better between these two teams?
1: Between Boston and Tampa? Yes. Um, I would say that right now, or that I believe that Tampa has the edge, particularly with adding another guy like Blake Coleman. They're just There's one Achilles heel for Tampa, in my opinion, and Blake Coleman was an awesome add for them. But they probably need one more reliable D that you can count on in the playoffs. Yeah, if I, they had a weakness,
0: I know we discussed so. Coleman on our show uh, Thursday, and then on our pregame show Thursday, because to me Tampa Bay made a lot of sense. Uh, I like that deal. I'm with you. I think they, you know, they are going to get Ryan McDonough back at some point. Uh, but they're, the other night they were playing Coburn and Shen as their five six, and I think in a perfect world that's their seven eight. Uh, no disrespect to Jerry Johansson, who represents uh, and yep. has re- represented Braden Coburn a long time. Does Toronto have a chance against either Boston or Tampa Bay?
1: I don't believe they do right now, not as they're constructed. They're going to need a – I don't think there's a lot of moves left. If you really look at what Toronto's done and how many assets they've expended to create this team and to be a playoff team now, I don't think there's a ton left that they can even do. So now you have to look internally to that group, and it is a real good group. It's a real talented group. But Mike Babcock wasn't totally wrong about them. There is not a commitment to be there the way there needs to be to be a successful playoff team. So there's a learning curve for them that uh, I still think they are potentially a year to a year and a half away from getting as a group, and ultimately that does not give them an opportunity right now to beat those types of clubs, I believe, in a seven-game series. Anything can happen. We saw it with Columbus. But uh, they've got some challenges right now, and they've got some work to do, and it's becoming evident as things tighten up and you can no longer loosey-goosey score your way to victories. Now everybody's playing for keeps, and you can really tell as you watch the quality of the games rise and the competitiveness shoot through the roof.
0: Uh, It's funny, Brian. I'm enjoying some of the Edmonton partisans who last year listened to to Toronto-type media type saying that Connor McDavid was, you know, how much longer was he going to put up with this? They are now directing that back at some of the uh, Maple Leaf uh, supporters out there and asking the same question about Austin Matthews, especially given that Matthews only signed a five-year extension. So it might be making me chuckle a little bit inside. I'm going to wrap up with this. We're not sure who's going to win the Pacific Division in the regular season. Could Edmonton come out of the Pacific Division in the playoffs? Is it out of the realm of possibilities?
1: Uh, I don't see anybody that they're not capable of beating, but I believe they need to be – I don't believe they could do it in the state they're in right now health-wise. They're going to have to get healthy and have some things that go right for them. They're still – you know, they're they're still in their infancy in terms of – climbing to the top of the certainly to the top four or five teams in the national hockey league i feel like they're still in the second or third inning at best on that journey so it's going to be tough for them to get it done in the playoffs if everyone's healthy i wouldn't count them out
0: there's an entirely too much uh, reason and logic in that perspective there brian we love having you on the show thanks a lot man <laughs> My pleasure. Thanks, Bob. You bet. That is Brian Lawton from the NHL Network. We'll take a timeout for two minutes. We're live at Rogers Place on a game night. The Oilers and the Boston Bruins, and this is Oilers Now.
1: Hi, I'm James Neal from the Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stauffer on 630, Chet.
0: James Neal remains out of the Edmonton Oilers lineup. I'd say at this stage, still week to week. It is 1255 in Edmonton. This fall, join the president of New West Travel, Dennis Laliberti, on a spectacular 20-day trip to South Africa. This tour takes you through Cape Town, Coastal Villages, the famous Victoria Falls, plus two exciting safaris. Enjoy five-star hotels, meals, and guided tours to book now and save $1,000 per couple. Join New West Travel on February 22nd for a travel seminar with the experts from South Africa and to confirm the South African tour. Call New West Travel or reach out newwesttravel.com. I do want to mention... I went to a downtown establishment last night, met lots of terrific people that are coming aboard. Our Oilers Now road trip with New West Travel, Uh, Dennis was there, Uh, his beautiful wife, Jason Laliberti was there, and hey, I can't forget Barry and Brenda out of Vacerville. 14th trip with Oilers Now over the course of the last nine seasons. And we'll have more trips coming up. Yes, indeed. But we are sold out for our trip to Chicago. 12.57 in Edmonton. Hour number two of Oilers now. David Staples coming up from the Cult of Hockey. We're going to talk about the Oilers pipeline, their developmental lot model, which right now appears to be paying off John Shannon, our NHL insider in the second era of the show, and... Brandon Escott will have this day in Oilers history as well as NHL Today. Right now, off to a global news weather traffic update. Eileen Bell. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.